Hello and welcome to Renegade Mama. I am your host, Natalie Rees. Today on the show, I talk with Jess Anderson. Jess wanted a home birth for her first babe, but she decided to have a hospital birth because, as she puts it, I naively thought I could just stay at home and not go into the hospital on the day. What she didn't realize was that all the prenatal scare appointments would erode any sense of trust and belief in herself, and she ended up with a traumatic birth and an extended hospital stay with her first. The second time around, Jess listened to her intuition and had a healing and wonderful free birth at home. Jess's story is a lesson in why having a hospital birth just because it's your first really may not be the right decision if you don't want it, and consequently, how different things can be when you do follow your intuition. Always listen to yourself first. Enjoy Jess's story. Well, welcome, Jess, to the Renegade Mama. It is wonderful to have you here. Thank you. Um, Sorry, you go. (laughs) No, I was just going to say I'm so excited to be here. Yes, wonderful. So, Jess, um, if you could introduce yourself to our guests, to to our guests, to our listeners today, um, tell them a little bit about who you are, what you do, and your family. Yeah, so I'm Jess and I have two lovely children and since becoming a mother, um, yeah, I became a mother at the age of 23 and that was pretty significant for me. Um, Yeah, I had a pretty, um, yeah, traumatic first birth in ways and then I went on to have a very healing free birth last year and that has just really brought me to where I am now um which is yeah just being really passionate about sharing uh myself and my experiences and yeah to um one day be supporting others through um the rite of passage that is birth yeah so wonderful (laughs) we were talking about it earlier um I feel like I've got a theme of my life at the moment with people I've interviewed and chatted to about mothers that are younger, inverted commas, um, and how that there can be so much stigma around being a younger mother, not that 23 is even that young. But I think it's really fascinating about this new generation coming through and owning birth. I remember speaking to a psychic ages ago and she was saying like um, astrologically, I think I was like nearly at the cutoff about like, yeah, people born from like 85 onwards are going to be this new generation that are going to change the earth. And I think that's really interesting. So Mm -hmm. (laughs) go you for like taking your power back um, and yeah, changing this earth for the better, you know, man. (laughs) Thank you. Yeah, I definitely feel that. I definitely feel lots like yeah, there is something shifting in um, like when it is deemed appropriate to to give birth. Like I feel like that is shifting again um, and it is coming back. It's really beautiful to yeah, watch. Yeah, it, it really is. And I think it's also this, um, what was I going to say? I said this on a podcast that I was interviewed on the other day that women were or still are, but I think it's changing on the pill for so many years and I myself was on the pill for many years and I remember getting off it 
And it was like a veil was lifted for me. Like I'd been living a fake life Mm. because you're not actually able to feel properly when you're on the pill. Like everything's must. It was like somebody was controlling me for years and I wasn't intuitively being able to connect with myself or other people. Like physically the pheromones are like must when you're on the pill. So I think that's really Mm. fascinating as well of Mm. like, lifting the veil of these hormonal contraceptions. I don't know if you, were you on a hormonal contraception before you fell pregnant? I had taken hormonal um, pop yeah. contraceptions like during my adolescence. I wasn't like, I wasn't on one when I fell pregnant, but I yeah. think I was on one like within the year before that. And then yeah. I had decided I was not ever going to do that again. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. But I, I feel that like, yeah. And I definitely feel like there is a growing movement to um to share like the real risks and like what actually happens when you do hormonal contraception so that makes sense that like yeah people that yeah you go sorry I was gonna say that that birth um like the birth movement is kind of moving with that like they are joined yeah exactly it's kind of this ironic thing about hormonal contraception it's like look at the liberation like from women being able to control um (laughs) their cycles or whatever but it's like look at the suppression that's happened um Mm. over so many years the opposite of feminism it's opposite of liberation actually Mm. um so yeah I think that's interesting because I was just able to come back so much into my own intuition when I got off that and um yeah bizarre that I was (laughs) so um what's the word um mm, yeah I don't know what the word is so disconnected disconnected is the word but also (laughs) it's gonna be I was just gonna say so dumb to like go on the contraception I just (laughs) trying to think of a more eloquent way but I was just so brainwashed yeah that was the yeah this is the only way because we're so obsessed with not falling pregnant Mm. um and then when you come off you actually realize being pregnant is not so bad (laughs) yeah actually the most amazing thing that ever happened to me (laughs) me too and like and like, if you're not on the pill, you're just going to fall pregnant. Like you can't yeah. trust your body to, yeah. to, to know when you, you, you get, can and can't fall pregnant. There's so exactly. much fear around it. Yeah. Yeah. Fascinating stuff. Okay. Well, let's get into it. Let me know um, about your own birth. When you were born mm. to your mother, how much do you yeah. know about that? Yeah, I know a bit about it. Um, I definitely have become much more interested in my own birth story um, since having my children. But yeah, I am a firstborn. So I was my mother and my father's first child. And I was born in a hospital. Um, It was a fairly straightforward birth, um, whatever that means. Like no, yeah, no um, like epidural or no like intervention as such. I think um, my mom maybe had like some gas, um, but apart from that, yeah, it was um, a relatively like long or what does long mean? I think the labor was maybe like 16 hours and yeah, it was a, a pretty positive experience for my parents. Um, yeah. So yeah, I think like it's a pretty like basic, I mean, maybe not, but yeah, it's a pretty good birth imprint that yeah. they gave me. So was it just spontaneous labour, no yep. epidural? Um, no. 
Okay, cool. And what was the feeling around the birth when your mum told you about it? Was it like, oh, it was the most wonderful thing? It was really hard? Or like, what was the message there for you? Yeah, I feel like it was hard, but it was also wonderful. Like, I think that, um, yeah, it was a positive experience for her and my father. Um, yeah, they had my, my little brother, they had a more traumatic experience. So I think like when they compare the two, it was, um, yeah, it, they, they enjoyed the experience, but I think that they also found it hard, of course. Yeah. Um, yeah. And what about, um, early breastfeeding and things like that? Mm. How did that go? Yeah. So, um, my mom, I think she breastfed me for about a month or two, but then, <laughs> um, did not. So yeah, I definitely didn't have that. <laughs> did you see that? um yeah so I definitely didn't have that like imprint of like being breastfed and I also don't think I really had ever really witnessed anyone breastfeeding until I did it myself to be honest which is super weird to say now yeah um but yeah yeah it, it's such a common thing for so many people because breastfeeding is yeah often not done or if it is done it's kind of hidden that's yeah. why I'm such an advocate of anywhere or anytime. <laughs> mm. for that. Um, okay, so talk to me throughout your life. You didn't have any real connection to birth either before you fell pregnant or did you? Not really, to be honest. Like before I fell pregnant, like when we fell pregnant with my daughter, it wasn't planned. Um, yeah. We had like spoken about, having children one day yeah. like literally the night beforehand so it was yeah. like planned in ways but like it yeah. wasn't an intentional pregnancy it was a surprise yeah. and I yeah I hadn't really considered birth as something to like I never really thought about it um mm-hmm. I never had learned much about it before I became pregnant with my daughter um yeah it wasn't very present for me at all yeah. okay so talk to me about that conception how long have you had you been with your husband at the time yeah we had been together for I think about a year and a half um but we spent a lot of that apart as he was traveling and like our relationship wasn't like like we were it wasn't like fully committed um, in our relationship we both like kind of saw other people um but then like the six months leading up to becoming pregnant we um had moved to uh a remote indigenous community in Australia together so we were very like just together and very like connecting in a different way and committing and um all of that so yeah so yeah is that that because he was teaching there yeah he was teaching there and I was I was an assistant teacher at um at the school so we worked together it was it was a pretty cool experience. Where were yeah. you? Out of interest, where were you? Yeah, we were in Papania, um, which is like know. north. Oh, it's like west of Alice Springs, a couple hours. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Awesome. In the desert. Yeah, my brother worked in a remote community last year, and we went up there. Um, oh, yeah. cool! So awesome, isn't it? Yeah, it's it's a, yeah, different world. Yeah, really. exactly. It totally is, and um, mm. yeah, cool stuff um okay so talk to me about so you had it's always fascinating this story is so common as well um 
It's like the babies are waiting there and they're just waiting for you to have that thought of like, yeah, we'll have kids one day. Bam, here I am. That's all you needed to do. You needed to have that thought. You're like, ah. Um, very similar for my husband and I. We'd um, talked about it and then suddenly we were pregnant. I was like, what? <laughs> um, so talk to me about, yeah, that feeling of finding out that you were pregnant. How did you feel? Mm, I was... Um... I was pretty, I was pretty scared when I found out. Um, yeah. yeah, I knew that I really loved and like felt very committed to Mitch, my husband. At the, yeah. uh, we weren't married at the time, of yeah, course. Yeah, yeah. But, um, yeah, I felt very committed and very like supported in him. But it was really, it was a, it was a tricky time in um, like when I actually found out, the day I found out Mitch was leaving for, a 12 day hike like oh out into um on the Larapinta trail so yeah um yeah but I quickly called him and was like I need to tell you something like I cannot wait 12 days um yeah and I told him and that was a big relief that I could I got to tell him before he went um yeah. and he offered to come like not do it but I thought I said no nah, I think it would be good for us to like have this time and space to really um think about what we really want mm-hmm. um and yeah, that was a really hard few weeks. Um, yeah. And yeah, I definitely um, wasn't sure what I wanted to do, to be honest, um, yeah. when I was alone. And I think like being alone for those two weeks, like was a big part of that, like not knowing, like not feeling it with him. Mm. Um, but then, yeah, like once um, he, he came back and we talked about it immediately, I just knew that it was, we both knew that it was a choice that we really wanted to make. Um, yeah. yeah, not to say that this is everyone's experience, but for me it really felt like making a choice of love over fear. Yeah, That's kind of how I've always framed it. Like, yeah, that's that was a really big message for us and has been um, like since that point in time, like, in making decisions like what where are we making this decision from yeah absolutely yeah I remember when I fell pregnant with my son I never considered having an abortion but I remember thinking some thoughts of like I just want this baby to miscarry because Mm. I'm not ready for this and it's horrible obviously when I think of it now but there is yeah this fear kind of building up and then Mm. Um, I guess what I wanted to say is it's important to acknowledge those feelings happen and not that Mm -hmm. everyone goes oh my god this is the most amazing thing that ever happened to me and they have no fear and it's um, yeah I just wanted Mm. to point that out because I think that's nice that you kind of talked about that as well you didn't know what you wanted to do and um, Mm. because what is it I think it's like I don't know what the percentage but like 70 or 80 percent of all pregnancies are like surprise pregnancies <laughs> it's like really high I don't know what it is but um yeah that is a big processing thing isn't it to it go, is yeah whoa yeah totally and I feel like it doesn't take anything away from how much I love my daughter but it's no. the truth it's yeah. really what I experienced and to not acknowledge that is like to, to suppress suppress something really exactly um, yeah, yeah yeah I love my son like thousand percent I just wasn't um there yet I needed to process it I was yeah yeah so scared again because of this idea of like pregnancy is like having a kid is like your life Mm. is over or that's what I used to think totally yeah that's like such a such a massive narrative and 
yeah, I know like when I made the decision, um, but even before I had my daughter, we like Mitch and I decided like we are not going to like subscribe to that. Like we wanted to travel yeah. and um, we will continue to do so. We took um, our daughter to Nepal when she was six months old and that was like wow. a massive like, yeah. That's big awesome. Moment in not, not subscribing to that. Um, yeah. 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 Oh, so cool. Okay. So yeah, that would have been so hard being 12 days by yourself. Yeah. Really lonely, hey? Mm, yeah it was very lonely and very like like I'm very grateful for it now because it really like allowed me to feel into myself and like Mm -hmm. what I needed and what I wanted um rather than like doing it all together like Mm -hmm. I think and it really did bring I, I would say both of us to a place of acceptance and like what we both truly wanted um mm-hmm. apart so that it wasn't like yeah we had to like I don't know talk it out together it was just like coming like doing the work by ourselves and then coming together um yeah definitely challenging I don't know whether I would recommend but I'm very grateful for the experience yeah yeah awesome so he got back you talked about um the choice to kind of yeah this is the path we're going on yeah um and then yeah what happened from there did you kind of decide on what kind of birth you're going to have or did you kind of sit with it for a while or what happened yeah it was a bit of a it was a bit of a whirlwind because yeah like I said we were living in a remote community Mm -hmm. and we originally thought we would stay there um for the whole pregnancy and into the the like early motherhood um parenthood yeah but um that changed quite quickly um like some circumstances outside of our control within the school that we're working at like got very very um like intense energy and we just needed to go like it wasn't feeling good yeah so yeah we weren't really sure where we were going to be um Mm -hmm. so I think in that sense we I wasn't sure how I wanted to birth for a while um yeah um I think once we there's a few months of like traveling and not really sure where we were going to be in anything and I think once we got to like got past that I started to really feel into like how I wanted to birth and I definitely wanted to home birth mm-hmm. um but I would we decided to like to do birth um in Shepparton which is like regional Victoria where Mitch's family are yep. um super beautiful little town with lots of support for us um but not many home birthing options so yep. Yeah, I spoke to one person who um, was was a home birth midwife there and it didn't feel like a good fit for me. Mm-hmm. Um, so then I decided to, I, actually, we decided that we would go, like, go within the hospital system but was were very highly considering free birthing, like just not going to the hospital, yeah. um, which in hindsight feels super naive to me. But um, that was kind of our game plan at the yeah. time. Had you heard of free birth at all at that point, or? Well, I I honestly hadn't um, hadn't thought about birth at all before I became pregnant. Yeah. But once I became pregnant, it was like the things that like the way that I was learning. Um, mm-hmm. Like I I got this amazing book. I don't know if you've um, heard of it, but it's called the Down to Earth Birth Book. Yeah, by... yeah. I had Jenny on my podcast last yeah. year. Yeah, she's great, oh my isn't goodness. She? Yeah. yeah, I like that book was like the Bible of. Um, 
yeah, like my maiden to mother journey, to be honest. Um, yeah. yeah. So I, like, I got that book like pretty early on, like I think while we were still traveling around. So I had heard about free birth, like yeah. from, yeah. And very early point in mm-hmm. my pregnancy. Yeah. Yeah. Great. Um, but you hadn't kind of looked, you said you felt that it would have been was a naive thought talk to me about that why yeah I think like I think that I just didn't really know um how um like influential the medical system the hospital system could be um at that point like I was like oh I'll just go and then I just won't show up like at the hospital I'll just like have some care and then I'll just stay at home and it will be fine um but I feel like yeah it it just didn't really it just didn't really happen like that for me um I just got really swept up in it yeah such a good point I see so many people on like free birth groups saying so I'm just gonna go to the hospital and yeah exactly what you said not rock up and you're like do you understand that (laughs) there's probably not much chance of that happening I mean of course people do it but because you're so convinced with all these checkups that's their kind of little um they call it prenatal scare to scare you into not believing in yourself um Mm. all throughout so you would have to be really really strong to then birth at home when everyone's told you this 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 is wrong with you or this could happen or that could happen you know just Mm. it's like you're saying you want one thing but you're going to do this and then yeah I think it's interesting yeah, it's and not judge, not judging yeah. you because I understand everyone's at wherever they're at. Um, but yeah, mm. you're making it a lot harder for yourself by going to those prenatal appointments, right? Yeah, totally. And yeah, like I said, like I feel really naive now. In like I, I thought that they, I thought the hospital were going to help me really. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, and um, but that was definitely not the experience that I had. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, so talk to me about the pregnancy. Did you have morning sickness and things like that? I I had a little bit. Sorry, <coughs> I've got a little tickle on my throat. Yep, it's still there. I get some water. <coughs> That's fine. Um, so yeah. you had a little bit of morning sickness. Yeah, I had a little bit of morning sickness um, when we were still living in the desert I remember like the smell of dirt was like really tricky for me which is hard because it was everywhere Um, (laughs) like sweeping our house every night just like feeling the dirt up my nose like oh but it was just nausea like I never vomited or anything which um yeah so it was probably about five weeks I think um in both of my pregnancies I had very similar Mm -hmm. um morning sickness just feeling like yeah a little bit but not too much yeah. Okay. Um, and you said that, so you, you decided to go to the hospital. What, mm-hmm. at what um, gestation did you go and see somebody for the first time or go to a doctor or whatever? I think that um, I had a blood test like quite early on, mm-hmm. but then I didn't really see anyone until I was 20 weeks and I had a 20 week scan. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. That was the first time I kind of entered the hospital um system as such Mm -hmm. um yeah it was about I was about maybe yeah 20 weeks I reckon maybe just slightly before then and was the scan a conscious choice you'd made to to do or you just kind of did what you were told (laughs) I think that um 
I think that it was it was something that I felt to do during that that time uh, yep. for me. I, I felt like um, like I didn't have the first one because <clears throat> I didn't think it was very necessary. Yeah. But I felt like I mean the way that the doctors had communicated to me like the twenty week scan is the one like it's the one where they check everything and they make sure everything's okay. Yeah. Um, which again, yeah, in hindsight was where everything started to turn for me. So yeah. Um, yeah, I definitely, I didn't do it the second time. Uh, yep. That's all I can say about that. Um, yeah. But that's when I entered the system as such. Mm-hmm. And when you say it started to turn for you, talk to me about that. Yeah. So um, when I had the scan, they found like, uh, they found that Flo, uh, my daughter Flo uh, was smaller than they thought. And I guess that was, they're basing that off the ultrasound and like my the day that I uh, had my last bleed um yeah so she was like two weeks smaller than they thought and that kind of uh began like this cascade of um intervention concern surrounding her size Mm. um yeah so like I went in having that scan thinking that would be the only scan I would have, but it was probably, I think it was the first of like seven before she was born. Wow. Um, yeah. And it was like this, this ongoing, like, um, yeah, thing where I can't even remember. It's, it's, it's all a bit of a blur, really. Yeah. I do, I do, I do know this, but um, yeah. Yeah, it started with them thinking she was small and and I think like I wasn't showing very much like in both of my pregnancies. I feel like that was a factor um, that was not spoken of, but it was I was definitely felt for me. Like I didn't like my belly never got that like it, it was beautiful, but it never got that round shape that many mm-hmm. women have. Um, yeah. And that was like definitely um that was that was actually really challenging for me like being told my baby was small and um not being able to like see my tummy grow and like when I would be met like they would measure me at appointments and it was like oh it's not growing and it's like that like I guess they were implying maybe my baby wasn't growing yeah um yeah and I think another another factor in that which like was just like a a mental thing that was Mm -hmm. felt from them was that yeah I follow like I have followed for many years now like a a vegan diet and so it's like all right you've got a small tummy you're a vegan and your baby's small like something's wrong um yeah so yeah that definitely began this ongoing ultrasound thing oh man yeah my sister-in-law had a tiny tummy like Mm. and her baby was small born but her baby was totally she free birthed her baby first baby but if she was in the yeah. system for sure there would have been red flags left mm. on the center but also she's a petite person she's mm. a fit person you know <laughs> and also the other thing again you're young your stomach yeah. muscles are probably tighter than mm. most people so baby's not getting bigger or you know having and also, like you say, you're vegan. You're probably healthy. Like, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> surprise, surprise. Like um, you're not like eating shit like most people and you're not massive like most people. Not saying that that's wrong either, but, you know, it's just like that's your normal. Yeah, it is totally. And like m- like both 
my husband and I, like we're not massive people, like we're not small people either, but that there's, there was no reason to believe that. Yeah. Like the smallness that I was presenting was dangerous. And I definitely didn't feel that. And I feel like that was like the main takeaway from my experience. Like I never felt there was anything wrong. I was being told that something was wrong from the outside. Mm -hmm. And that was like really, really hard as someone like entering motherhood and not really knowing that intuition or not knowing to trust that intuition. I just listened and yeah, yeah, it's like, yeah, I, I can definitely say that it's not easy to, to be in a room of people telling you that there's something wrong and, and listen to yourself or it wasn't at that stage of my life. And also, I mean, I think the other big thing with ultrasounds for me is that it's this feeling, like you're saying, like people are telling you something's wrong. So then you're having to live with that feeling of something's wrong, even though you might intuitively know deep down it's not. But that Mm. brings up a lot of fear and it's not a healthy kind of um, (laughs) place to be for you and your baby, right? It's not fun to be in fear your whole pregnancy. I'm not saying mm. that's exactly how you were, but for so many people, um, I think, yeah, ultrasounds can just bring fear, even when something is wrong, genuinely. Yeah. yeah. Like there is something wrong. What are you going to do about it? You're just going to worry about it for um, mm. the rest of your pregnancy, you know? Yeah, I feel that. And I think the other thing is the risk of something um, happening or whatever that an ultrasound could fix it's so small because Mm. 99% of things can't be fixed in utero (laughs) they don't (laughs) do surgery on babies in utero and then if baby has a really um you know a congenital condition um number one that's really rare but number two again if it's really severe there's often not um much they can do like Amana who was on my podcast this week her little girl was born with no kidneys and she was never going to survive regardless. Mm. Um, and, yeah, it was really interesting to hear a story of her being born at home and how that process was so much more, well, she free birthed her. Um, or maybe she didn't free birth that one. Um, I can't remember, but she had a midwife there, a birth keeper maybe, but being allowed, not allowed, oh God, now I've got to catch myself, but her, having that space to be able to birth that baby and be with that baby, even though that baby didn't live for very long, you know? Mm. Yeah, it's interesting. Anyway, I'm going off on a tangent. So mm. you got to how many weeks? Was there anything else between um, that period and the end? Like were there any other testing they were wanting to do or...? Um, I didn't do any of the, like, I didn't do the glucose test yeah. or whatever. Like I, I said no to everything except for the ultrasounds because yeah. I was like, Oh, what's happening? Yeah. Um, yeah. But it got to a point where at some stage between then and the end that they wanted to induce me. And it was like constant fight of like, no, I don't want to. And like, they were saying like, I might need to be induced at 37 weeks which is ridiculous in the scheme of things because like if she was small then that sounds like the worst possible thing to do to exactly take a small bir- a baby out early um 
but yeah no I kept like saying no no like it was a, it felt like a constant fight of like what they said I should be doing and what like I didn't I didn't want to do I didn't want to be induced yeah um yeah so it got to um yeah I got to 40 weeks mm-hmm. and I had an ultrasound on that day and the um the technician who was lovely and was actually really um like very calming throughout the experience for us because we would see him all the time and he said like oh there's something like there's a slight abnormal abnormality but um like given your case it's probably like it's probably given like it's probably fine but Mm -hmm. I'll send you up to birth suite anyway because I have to it's protocol and we got up there and they're like we need to induce you right now um and I was like whoa like what like why Mm -hmm. um and it's so yeah I feel like sharing that when that happened um they actually thought I was someone else they so they actually had my name wrong and they're like you need to be induced right now and like we're gonna do it and I was like wait why I need you need I need you to tell me why um and they're like oh sorry that's another Jess but also we need to induce you right now um what yeah and I was just like how like how like do you yeah that was a weird experience um yeah but um, I said, no, I said, I didn't want to be induced. I wanted to speak to a midwife. We had a midwife we tr- did trust um, throughout the experience who was advocating for us. Um, so we went home and waited for her to call. Um, yeah, but then she wasn't available. She wasn't, I don't know why she wasn't on call. Um, so another midwife within like the group practice um, called and said that she thought, yeah we needed to be induced and in that moment I I don't really know like why but I think hearing it from her like it felt serious and it felt like uh, okay I have to do this and yes so that was the decision in that moment um yeah it feels like a very pivotal moment in my life Mm. um yeah okay so you went in to be induced then yeah, so we packed our bag and we went in to, to meet our baby, which is the weirdest feeling ever. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, and I so we went in and I had like a balloon catheter put in, um, which was really, really awful. Um, yeah, I, I was in overnight and I, yeah, it was very painful. Um, and it was like literally forcing my cervix open. Um, yeah, I think that part of the experience like I was vomiting and yeah I I was really it was really challenging um I remember like when I walked into the hospital I felt like I'm like I'm here this is my decision I um I'm going to like try my very best to soften into this experience and like through that um I feel like I did handle it like quite well um I mean handle it as well as I could but um yeah so I um, had the balloon catheter and then in the morning someone came and broke my waters with a hook Um, and yeah from there um, we just were in labor really and and like thankfully um, my body and my baby worked really well together in that stressful environment Um, so I didn't have to have like and I didn't have any um, like 
syntocin or anything to stimulate labor they did want to give it to me a few times um but yeah Mitch my husband was a massive advocate and he was very informed as well like we had done a lot of work together Mm -hmm. um and I feel like if he wasn't there I just don't know like if he wasn't like the strong like warrior holding the space I just don't know like what would have happened and yeah, yes, that's I feel so, so important, isn't it? Yeah, it's like when I when I think back about it now, I just think like if I had if he hadn't have done that work with me, if he had felt scared and showed that, it would have been a completely different experience, really. Yeah, so super grateful for that. Yeah, um, yeah, but um, yeah, it got to a point where they wanted to give me some syntocin and. We said, no, like, let's, let's negotiate. Let's wait two hours. And like pretty much immediately after that, I started having the urge to push and um, yeah. And then like the midwives were like, no, like you just need to breathe normally. Like you're not ready. Like don't. And I was like, I can't help it. Like I need, like, I can't not do this right now. And yeah, that went on for like, I don't know, maybe I don't know what time was then, but a little while. And then she's like, oh, maybe I'll just keep, like check what's happening. And it turned out that, yeah, Flo was like coming out. Like <laughs> she was, she was just right. Like, yeah, she was right there. So I birthed her quite quickly after that. And like, thankfully we got to go home like within six hours and she was fine. She was not, she was 3.1 kilos, but she was fine. That's um, not small at all. It's not that small, no. Like it's not big, but it wasn't small. Pretty standard. Yeah. <clears throat> so, yeah, that was my first birth experience. Um, yeah. Uh, How long was that in all? Well, we went in like the afternoon beforehand to um, have the induction and then the overnight and then like so I was induced overnight and then so like from 5 p.m and then like the labor started kind of in the morning um and I, she, I was born at 2 16 p.m in the afternoon so it was oh, wow. yeah it was a long process it was long it also felt fast in ways um which yeah. I am grateful for but yeah yeah comparatively um so yeah some inductions especially yep. the ones with syntocin, um, yeah, potentially go on for a long time. Yeah. Um, and what about your placenta coming? Oh in yes, now? I wanted to mention that. Yeah. yeah. Um, so yeah, my placenta didn't. It wasn't birthed for about forty minutes, but um, yeah, in that time, like I was offered things and was not in a state to be making decisions. But I said no to everything um, except for the midwives pushed on my stomach, oh, which yeah. was like. The most like I remember the sensation so clearly it's the most like odd and like unnatural sensation oh yeah and I think it came out quite fast after that yeah. um but yeah um I think they happened. did the same to me in hospital as well I think that's yeah. like someone's punching you in stomach he's like get away from me <laughs> yeah yeah so unnecessary and I think it's I actually think it's really dangerous too like to mm. to like yeah like force a placenta out before it's ready is really not safe at all yeah exactly and um my son with his little feet was doing that job anyway didn't need some big hands going <laughs> like yeah his little feet were just gently kind of stimulating um, um, yep. my stomach to kind of get it to contract and come out but um totally. um 
I was going to say, how how did you give birth? Were you on your back or were you standing um, up? Or I was I was um, <clears throat> how do I describe? I was like the bed. I was on a bed and it was like on an angle and I was leaning up like upwards. So I was kind of like kneeling. Yep. Yeah. Um, yeah. yeah. I don't okay. know if that's how to describe that. But. Yeah. And had they had you hooked up to anything? Did you have like a CTG or did you have yeah. IV fluids and all that crap? I had um, a CTG, is that what it's called? Yeah, like the like continuous monitor, heart monitor. monitor. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that was like the biggest joke because they were like, yeah, like you're not like when I said I was pushing, they're like you, you're not ready, like you're, um, you know, you're, um surges are not close enough together and I, I like I was like but they are like I can feel it like yeah. they're intense you yeah. don't you don't yeah it's silly and um and what about you didn't have any IV fluids or anything like that I don't think so um yeah I, I don't know actually I don't remember I feel like I feel like maybe I did um because yeah. I was vomiting a lot yeah, that was like a like a pain response for me through the that labor. Same as me. Yeah, I yeah. With every contraction, it was oh. horrible. Yeah, wow. <laughs> the first time. Yeah. Um. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um. And then, what about your breastfeeding journey? How was that? Mm. It was super painful to begin with. Um. Yeah. Like I said, I had never really seen anyone do it before. And I felt like very in my head about it, like trying to work mm-hmm. it out. And um, yeah, so I think like honestly the first six, six to eight weeks was like really bad. Like I had really um, cracked nipples mm. most of the time, um, but I was very persistent and I actually, actually still breastfeed my daughter to this day. Like she still has a feed oh, once a day. So well done. that, thank you. Yeah. That's like, that was massive to get from there. Um to not have seen it to mm. yeah be able to do that so mm-hmm. well it wasn't easy I would say but I, I did it yeah yeah made great. It happen. yeah 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 that's great yeah it's so common isn't it and I think it's also I've mentioned this before on the podcast I think it's fascinating that so many people have so much trouble breastfeeding again that's not a judgment it's more of a judgment on society of like mm. people haven't seen people breastfeeding it's not talked about we're not um intuitively um being able to do it ourselves because again especially in a hospital everyone's in there telling you do it like this and this position and that position and it's like mm. the football hold or this hole. You're like, what the fuck? <laughs> like oh, how do I do this like just leave everyone the fuck alone and let them kind of do their own thing um, yeah. but then at the same time you need to have been exposed to breastfeeding to do your own thing you know because how are you going to do something that you've never seen before <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. I heard this story. Uh, I don't know if you've heard this one, but about this gorilla in captivity. Have you mm. heard about it? I think I have. Yeah. Tell me. Yeah. So um, this gorilla, gorilla that was like bred in captivity had never seen um, a, and, like another gorilla breastfeed. So when it had, um, it had its babies, it, di- it couldn't work out how to do it. And it actually that babies actually died, which is awful. Oh. Um yeah um and then so then they they had more babies but this time when the gorilla like had the babies they brought breastfeeding mothers Mm. in to sit like around the enclosure and the gorilla worked it out through witnessing which is just incredible it Um, is incredible isn't it 
it's so yeah. incredible I think that is such an important point yeah, it, yeah. a great a great story to actually show yeah mm. why are mothers having so much trouble because we're not seeing it <laughs> yeah and there's a real difference in seeing it than like t- being told what to do because like that it's not a mental ex- it wasn't a mental experience for me like I like the second yeah with my son the second time it was so easy like mm-hmm. just just doing it like I wasn't thinking about it um yeah it was very different yeah and- exactly yeah absolutely and even when we do see people breastfeed it's discreet you know mm. you kind of um you know quickly put your boob away or <laughs> I, I don't necessarily but that's kind of <laughs> what you see because it's socially unacceptable to kind of have your mm. boob sitting there because that's what mm. sometimes you need to do when you've got a brand new baby, your boobs out. Yeah. And they're not quite on it for a while. And yeah, it's embarrassing because breasts are so shameful in a Western culture, you know? Mm. Yeah. Oh, they're only um, okay when they're an object <laughs> of sexual desire, apparently. Only. Yeah. Um, oh. Okay. So, how did your mothering journey go in the early days? Yeah, it went really well. Um, yeah, I had a lot of support um, from Mitch at home. Like he didn't, we, like our priority was to, yeah, learn how to be a family. Um, so he did like, he did work, but we it was kind of like get through the, like we weren't trying to make a bunch of money. Like he was home as much as often um, as he could, especially during the first little while. Um yeah. Oh, there was. Yeah, there was this experience. I don't know whether I should go into it because it's a whole tangent. Um, go on. Oh, so like three weeks after Flo was born, she had she got a staph infection, mm. and so that was like, it was like it was really traumatizing for me. In it was like reliving my birth trauma again. Um, in the the maternal child nurse came over and said, "You need to go." to the hospital and we went to the hospital and once we were there they were like you need to stay we need to give her antibiotics and I was like I do not want to be here I do not think this is the right thing to do but I was like I I think I don't know I think it was a nurse that like pretty much said if you go home like like we have to call the DHS like so it was again like really bullied into doing something that did not feel right to me and we ended up being there for like a week and it was really really awful um really traumatizing experience um yeah having her like having flow like to have those antibiotics too and it was Mm. just like I was just like I don't think this is necessary um and it was just yeah it was really hard um but yeah yeah I kind of like yeah I forgot like I forget about that but it was yeah nearly more traumatic than the birth in ways in like not listening again like having that so fascinating isn't it it's like mm. um I think Jane Hardwick Culling yeah says this she says um you know the lesson you learn in your birth is probably the lesson if you don't kind of figure that out you're going to keep getting it until yeah. you do with your child it sounds like that's what happened in your birth and then here's another opportunity to kind of <laughs> confront yeah. that and then it happens again yeah I, exactly the same thing has happened with me with my son not with hospitals mm. but when we went to school and I went against my intuition um and was just doing what I was told by authority again I was like what the hell how am I here again <laughs> mm. yeah oh wow that would have been so full and so what she 
Was she on like IV antibiotics? And yeah, things? she was. Yeah, she was on IV antibiotics for like six days. Um, and they kept change. They changed it twice, and it was like, um, it was like they didn't really even know what, like why what they were giving her. Um, and yeah, it got to the point where they were like, "Oh no, you just need to stay a few more days." And I was like, "No, we're going." Like, and I set that boundary. And yeah, we went yeah, home. Well done. Yeah, it was really hard. Um, yeah, it was really hard and yeah, very, very, very traumatizing. But also, yeah, like you said, like I, I really needed to like set that boundary to kind of begin the healing of that, um, mm-hmm. that message I received from my birth. Yeah, exactly. This is so common. You know how, like you said, they're giving her a whole heap of different antibiotics or they don't even know what they're doing. Like recently my grandfather went into hospital and um, <laughs> anyway, he went in for something completely different and they thought it was um, pneumonia. And it's like, he clearly doesn't have pneumonia. He's not coughing. He's not <laughs> got anything because they'd done an x-ray and seen some spots on the lungs. So they gave him the antibiotics for the pneumonia. And then they reassessed and said, oh, no, that, that's not pneumonia on the lungs. It's like maybe some scarring from many years ago. He's like 89. Um, oh, we'll get you off the antibiotics now. I'm like, now you've just fucked his immunity with antibiotics. He's 89. Mm. He doesn't need fucking antibiotics. Mm. They're just doing something because they feel like they have to do something. It's probably the same with your daughter's staph infection. It's like, let's try this. Let's try that. Or maybe we could have tried some breast milk and everything would have been fine. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, my son, after his birth, had literally the same thing happen in the same place on his body under his armpit. And I healed it with at home with breast milk and it was fine. So, yeah. And it's this fear, isn't it? You go in there and they say, this is going to get really serious unless you do this, this and this. And then you're like, oh, I can't trust myself now. (laughs) Yeah. They told me that if I didn't do the antibiotics, then the infection could go to her brain and she could die, which is like, so like, it's like, okay, it could, but like, what is actually the likelihood of that? And like, at what point could like, I feel like there would be lots of points after the point where it was noticed that you would know, oh, something's wrong. Like it's not just going to go straight up there. And yeah. So, so fearful. So everything's fear driven. And then everyone's kind of story to themselves is so lucky we went because Otherwise, she could have died of a brain injury from the infection. You're like, mm, or oh, how unlucky. Yeah. Everything's perspective, right? Mm. Um, okay, so, yeah, that would have been. And so she's not able to be in your arms for some of that time because she's got IV fluids in or? I was always holding her. I was, was able to yeah. hold her, okay. Yeah, I wouldn't, I wouldn't leave her. I, did, yeah, I would, didn't leave her at all, really, um, yeah. and unless Mitch was with her. Um, yeah. yeah, so, no, I yeah that was a boundary as well there were definitely like some boundaries I was able to hold and they were all really encouraging with the breastfeeding which was great um but yeah Mm, yeah lessons lessons hey yeah um okay and then so from then onwards how was your parenting journey yeah it was like yeah honestly really really fine like I did struggle with the um, sleep deprivation that was probably like the biggest struggle that I had Mm -hmm. um, into the parenting journey but I really like Flo was like is a really beautiful 
person and I absolutely loved becoming a mother and I feel like the moment that she actually was born I realized like I just had I just understood like the things that I was missing throughout my pregnancy or like not listening to um yeah I think I thought she was really I thought she was going to be a boy and and not that like gender is everything but when she was a girl I really understood like why I was becoming a parent and like just seeing this little girl who was going to grow up like and I was going to be watching me for the rest of my life I was like okay I I understand like why this has all happened and why am I I'm here now I'm here to like embody the the person that I need to be like for for myself but for her too Mm, yeah yeah beautiful yeah there's something so special about having a daughter um Mm. I was so happy when I had a daughter (laughs) um again not because gender's everything and everyone gets what they need but um Mm. I'd had four brothers and then I'd had a Mm. son um who I love dearly but then when I got a girl I was like yes this is my time to kind of really embrace (laughs) the feminine and understand me and who I am Mm. and that side of me so that was pretty cool for me yeah (laughs) yeah I feel that um okay and so did you always know you were going to have a second yeah I did yeah 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 pretty yeah I think actually you know I, I think I did but I think that we weren't sure for a few months afterwards we're like oh maybe one would just be enough like it could be nice but then yeah I think like I just Mitch is from a big family he's got three siblings um I have like I have one sibling and two step siblings as well so I guess a bigish family too yeah but yeah I just always felt like like having a little community of kids was the way like I just didn't yeah want my my child or my child to be alone really because I feel like what I could give that her was different to what another child could give really Mm. so I think it was always really a yes yeah yeah Yeah. it's become more and more of a yes as I moved away from the first birth too yeah yeah okay so talk to me about um conceiving your second was this planned or did you kind of just allow it to happen or yeah so um we uh Mitch and I got married in November 2019 and in the lead up to the wedding we um were it was probably like it's probably like the most connected period of time I think that like our relationship had 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 mm-hmm. and yeah so we like all right after the wedding let's go for it let's have um let's go for a baby number two like we're mm-hmm. ready um yeah, and this is when Flo was about like 20 months old, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so um, not planned in the sense, like it was planned, but it was just a little bit sooner than we thought. Um, I actually found out that I was pregnant the morning of our wedding. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> which was um, a very beautiful surprise but also just perfect because it was like I think the words we were using it wasn't like after the wedding we'll try it's like it was like um yeah we'll get married and then we'll have a baby or something like the words like oh we totally created this like we didn't um yeah yeah so yeah we conceived um uh, um 
it was kind of a surprise, but it was less of a surprise this time than with our first child. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah. And um, what was I going to say? You had decided or how did the wild pregnancy and free birth come about? I knew that I would not be going back to a hospital. Uh, like, yeah, early on after my daughter was born. Um, yeah, I, so yeah, I knew that I would be birthing at home and I, I very early on in the pregnancy, like, so yeah, I found out early November and by um, December, I knew like who was going to be there and everything. Um, yeah. So I went on like uh, a bit of a, like a wild chase of like who, who is going to support me. And I connected with lots of different people that I really respected within my community. Um, like people I would consider birthing elders, I guess, and mm-hmm. asked for their advice. Um, and yeah, I had many leads and I met with a few people. Um, and yeah, I found the person that was right for me. And that person, um, her name is Bridget and she, um, is a birth keeper and a doula. And yeah, I, I wasn't sure to begin with if I would, if I wanted to go registered or unregistered or yeah, to not have like any kind of midwife there. And, um, it was just a feeling. Um, I remember one of the other birth attendants I spoke to said to me that um, like the person that you want that there to support you is the person that you feel the most at home with. And as soon as they said that to me, I was like, Oh, I know who it is. It's this, it's this woman that I just met. Um, Well, yeah, it was Bridget. Um, So yeah, I decided to pursue this free birth um, and yeah so we chose for her to support us and for me that looked like yeah not going not going to the doctor or to the hospital um pretty much I didn't go to the hospital at all I didn't have I had a scan early on in my pregnancy because I thought I was having twins like I kept dreaming about them and I just felt like I needed to know um so then yeah I found out that we weren't and that was that was like what I needed. And then after that, I, I didn't have any scans at all. Um, and yeah, it was. a. Had sorry, you been you to a GP or anything like that? Well, you must um, have to get the referral for the ultrasound. Yeah. I must have. Yeah. I, I actually can't remember doing that, but I must yeah. have. Yeah. 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 Okay. And, um, and so it was just that one ultrasound and then anything else. No, I had some blood tests later in the pregnancy because I wanted to check my like levels of um, like iron and B12 and all of the other things. Um, just, yeah, I want it just for my own personal information. Mm-hmm. Um, and also like I did that so that I could just easily like do the birth registration because it, I wasn't going to have anyone attend. It was just easier to, to do that for me. Yeah. Um, yeah. Cool. Okay. So how was the pregnancy for you as a whole? It was so beautiful. Um, yeah, I had, um, we had a lot of sessions with Bridget, um, like, uh, just completely different experience to the first pregnancy in, it was very, like, it was a very spiritual experience for me. I would say in like all of the sessions we had were around, 
different things. Like I remember our first real one was we had a, um, a session where we, Mitch and I actually shared our life story with each other and, and her. Mm. Um, so we shared like whatever mm. came up for us. We had like an hour and a bit of <clears> space <throat> to both um, to share. And that was kind of like opening up the journey together. Um, we did lots of things like, like I did a fear release um, and yeah, lots of um, just nourishing meals and um, foot rubs and just, yeah, all of these very beautiful um, connective experiences, I guess, that I, yeah, I'm very grateful that I, um, <clears throat> yeah, that I chose that as the path to walk the second time. Yeah, it's so nice, isn't it? Just yeah. to have someone walk with you, but um, what what did Martina say? Lead but not guide you. Or guide mm. but not lead you. Yeah, guide but not yeah. lead. Sorry. <laughs> and just be there for you um, without telling mm. you what to do. <laughs> mm. um, and was there any times in the pregnancy that you self-doubted yourself about having a free birth or you felt really centred or...? Um, I felt, I felt really centered within the free birth. I had a lot of, um, it was a very uh, interesting pregnancy. Like it was last year. So it was during yeah. all of the lockdowns yes, that's all of the point. other worldly crazy stuff. So I think like emotionally, the pregnancy was quite challenging for me. I had a lot of, um, community conflict arise too, which was really interesting in a lot of like similar situations presenting themselves um like with lots of different people who weren't connected so it wasn't even like a planned thing so it felt mm. like the pregnancy for me was a lot less about like physically like am I okay but like mentally and, mm -hmm. and emotionally um yeah well that's always that was, the most important thing isn't it <laughs> yeah yeah I felt like I really had that trust physically anyway for for the um the whole pregnancy um yeah I didn't I don't think I really doubted myself. Like I obviously shared my fears and chose to release them mm. um, throughout the pregnancy, um, but nothing that like had me really worried about outcome or mm -hmm. um, doubting the decision. Yeah. When you say community conflict, what do you mean by that? Oh, uh, I, like, yeah, just like lots of different situations presenting themselves with like friends where yeah. um yeah like things just got really intense for me like a lot of people sharing like feelings they felt about me um in what I now see like an inappropriate and like projecting way mm. um so I was like really I guess like I was learning a lot about boundaries. That's yes. what it was. Um, yes. <laughs> yeah. When you say, were they commenting on your pregnancy or was it just other stuff unrelated? It was just other stuff unrelated. Yeah. yeah. It was really unrelated. And it, like I said, it was not one person at one yeah. time. Like it kept happening up until like a few weeks before birth. Um, I had some very challenging experiences, but it was like, yeah, constantly needing to, really look at and reinstate my boundaries which I think was like like the perfect medicine for having a free birth in in a way for me and my story yeah um super challenging at the time but yeah definitely I think it really did allow me to have 
the birth experience that I wanted. Mm-hmm. So that's maybe your lesson for this birth, hey, like boundaries yeah. with your community as well as um, like from your previous birth as well as the hospitals or medical stuff. Yeah. Um, okay, so let's go into the birth. Um, how many weeks gestation were you? Um, I was 40 weeks and like I think five days or maybe maybe three days I actually I actually chose my um my my due date though I it was like oh this is when like my last period was but I like often ovulate later so I'm just going to guess it's around about here so I guess yeah. it was it was literally a guess date um yeah, yeah. but it was like three days after that date that okay. um Dharma came yeah, yeah. <laughs> okay talk to me about going into labor yeah um going into labor was a very gentle experience for me the second time I woke up at 5 a.m um in the morning and I felt like these tightenings coming and they um they were very gentle but progressive um and I just watched them for a little while and then um I decided to tell Mitch like he was asleep next to me and I told him like something's happening um yeah and then from there not long afterwards our daughter who was like two and a half, two and a half at the time woke up so it's about 6 a.m mm-hmm. and I was like all right I better get up and start moving around because that's what really stimulates labor in my head um but it was really interesting because when I did that when I got up it just all stopped and I was like it just kind of blew my mind like that um you know you need to be moving around and active during labor um, idea which is very true at times was just not the truth in that moment for you yeah absolutely yeah it wasn't yeah like the lying the stillness was what was allowing me to to open um <clears throat> yeah so it was an interesting morning of like am I in labor am I not in labor because I hadn't experienced it naturally before the natural onset of labor I was like really feeling confused and like up in my head like oh maybe it's not happening um um yeah (laughs) yeah yeah cool yeah yeah it's interesting yeah and I think it's interesting you say it was such a gentle start because that would have been so different to the first time hey yeah it was very different very very different okay um and was your daughter you had always planned for her to be there yeah always yeah yeah um yeah that was yeah, the, that was, yeah, the first, one of the first things I knew that I wanted her to be there. I think from having that, um, that birth experience from her birth, I wanted her to be there knowing that she would be okay. Like mm. just her nature. I knew that she was yeah. a good, like, yeah, it would work to have her in the space. And I felt like it would be a really healing experience for us both. Yeah, absolutely. And out of interest, <laughs> was she co-sleeping with you at that point or was she in her own room or um she was doing a bit of both like she had had her own room and she often she would always start the night in her room but then come into our bed um but she just like decided to to stop doing that pretty much from the the night that he was born she slept in her home own room for the whole night for the first time which was just like what but um yeah she would often come in and she still does often come in um yeah yeah Yeah. cool okay so you got up she got up you're walking around then you're saying this is like maybe I need to lay down again or so did you lay back down or what happened 
I didn't immediately. I, I think I was like, all right, if this is labor, I need to like go and eat like something good because I knew from my previous labor that I wasn't going to be able to eat much like during it. Mm-hmm. So I went and made a big, like a big batch of like noodle soup. Um, yeah. So I was just like, I'm going to start doing things for the day. And, and yeah, the, um, the sensations disappeared up for up until like t- maybe 12 PM. And that, at that point I was like, Oh, maybe it wasn't labor. Um, yeah but it was it was the day (laughs) yeah cool keep going keep telling me more yeah yeah, cool um yeah so then it was like we decided to sit down and watch a movie and that was when I think I started noticing it again and noticing like oh I'm sitting and it's coming back um yeah so we just watched the movie and I just like um let like let the sensations come um I was having a bit of a like funny time about calling our birth support team so we had Bridget there um our doula and then I also had a a friend there to support Flo and Mm -hmm. another um amazing woman who was going to capture the birth Mm -hmm. um like via photo and video so Mm -hmm. I wasn't sure when I wanted to call them and it was like a thought of like not wanting to feel like I had to perform or like Mm. if they came and I wasn't ready then I don't know like it was just a weird mental thing I had going. yeah I get that I get that yeah so I didn't want to call them um for a while but then Bridget was coming over to visit anyway um like we had planned a visit that day so I kept saying like oh maybe just come a bit later maybe just come a bit later and it got to the early afternoon I think it was about um 2 or 3 p.m and I think that was when Mitch was like all right maybe we should call everyone over um I was still very much like um present and like there like I remember everything um very like able to communicate um but yeah I was like all right we can call them over like let's do it yeah I think that was about like 3 p.m and everyone was there by five um and I was in the bath um and that was really amazing um being in the bath um I felt like that really helped the sensations I was having even Mm -hmm. though I was lying down um yeah yeah. and yeah so then everyone was there when I got out of the bath and I went and sat in front of the fire and I just kind of like was breathing and um felt very calm and very like yeah just very close entering further and further into the birth portal really yeah um and as that was happening they were filling our birth pull up um and yeah I was just like lying or sitting around the fire and moving around slowly and I think Mitch and I were dancing and just really enjoying the warmth and the yeah the music we had playing um just feeling very in love I guess with um that myself and and my husband and my babies like it was just a very uh oxytocin producing experience at that point of my life <laughs> so beautiful yeah it was very beautiful um yeah so the sun was going down and um yeah the birth pool was still filling and I remember I looked over at one stage and I was really like starting to get like quite deep into 
the labor process and I and I asked is the pool ready mm-hmm. and um yeah it's funny because I I feel like throughout my whole but um pregnancy I had expressed to Bridget like I'm just not sure whether I'm gonna have a water birth and I feel like um that was like not wanting to attach the idea of it so when I found out that the pool was filled with cold water um, oh, wow. it, didn't, it didn't really surprise me um but um yes yeah, so we must have run out of hot water and somehow in like the process of everyone like doing the things they were doing like tidying and playing with flow and they were baking a birthing cake um it just got overlooked and it was just so funny that I noticed I was like hey what's happening with the pool and someone's like "Uh oh like oh it's cold and then they didn't want to tell me um but yeah they started to like very gracefully remove the water from the pool bucket (laughs) by bucket (laughs) oh dearie me yeah it was pretty yeah pretty funny um but yeah they did that they were removing it for a while and heating up like kettle after kettle and pot after pot and like yeah make trying to get it done for me um yeah and yeah as that was happening I was definitely progressing further and further um yeah and yeah so I then yeah was just progressing in labor um as that happened and after a while maybe like I don't know like an hour or so the pool was finally ready and I got in and it was great but it was also like I was a little bit too far gone like into the labor for it to be a relief it was just like I'm just doing this now and I'm happy to be in the water but I wasn't a relief like I felt when I was in the bath earlier yeah um yeah and um Flo was playing in the uh, in the pool with me. She was playing in the pool when it was freezing as well. And <laughs> oh, something I feel to share is that um, when we had we had like a birth support, like um, like I guess opening um, a few weeks prior, and I was asked like if there was anything that my birth team needed to know. And something that came up for me really randomly was that I I didn't want anyone to tell Flo to be quiet. And I felt really triggered by that. Like, and I just thought it would bring me out of the experience. Um, and so, yeah, I, I had asked that. And yeah, so during the labor, when Flo was splashing in the pool, I honestly think she was the loudest I have ever heard her in her life. And it was just like so funny that that was something I felt and it came up. Um, yeah and I think that it it really was like if someone had a told told her to be quiet it could have really brought me out of it but just mm. kind of everyone just kind of allowed it to happen and it's it didn't last long and it wasn't yeah. like it wasn't distracting for me um in a way that I didn't like um it just felt very natural that she was having fun splashing in the freezing cold water yeah um while I was laboring um yeah I think that's yeah. an important thing to say is, yeah, setting up that expectation with your birth team Yeah, to say this is what I want. And, um, of course, it could change, but at least you've set the expectations up for them. Yeah, I really yeah. feel that, yeah, it was, I'm very grateful for, for that, um, that question I was asked and yeah. intuitively having that answer. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so once I was in the birth pool, I, I was like really feeling um, like the sensations really strongly and I was really enjoying Flo being close to me. 
But then every now and then she would bump me during a contraction and that was really challenging. Like I was like happy for her to be there, but just needed that little bit of space. Um, yeah. yeah. <clears throat> and yeah, after a while, I, I was really like, there were two things um, that I really wanted, but for some reason I just felt, re- I felt really scared to do them for a mm-hmm. while. The first was I really wanted to check to see um, like, like do an internal uh, exam myself to mm-hmm. see where his head was. And um, yeah, I, um, yeah, I put it off for ages because I'd done one when I was in the bath and I felt his head and I was like, oh, it's there. Like I can feel it. Um, wow. Yeah. And then, so I was in the birth pool and I was like, all right, I've got to do it. But I was scared about if it, if I hadn't progressed, like I thought I, like I had hoped I would have, I guess, because I was really feeling it. Mm-hmm. But then I built up the courage and I did it and he had moved down heaps. Like I could really feel his head like really descending. So that was really affirming for me um, and empowering to be able to do that myself. Yeah. Um, yeah. And then the second thing I really wanted, I really wanted Mitch to get in the birth pool, but for some reason, similar to with the birth, like not wanting the birth team to come too early, I was like, I don't want him to get in the pool too early, which sounds so silly now. Like he could just hop out, then hop back in. But um, yeah, so I put it off for ages and then I, I said, I need you to get in. And like within, oh, like within 10 minutes of him being in the birth pool, I started to push like, push him out, the baby out um, wow. so it was like having that contact physical contact and being held in that way was mm-hmm. just yeah really what I feel got the baby out like in in the speed that um it did yeah beautiful and so he was there kind of yeah helping you yeah with you know skin to skin contact getting the <laughs> oxytocin no doubt as well totally yeah yeah um yeah he was behind me and Flo wasn't in the pool at at the point when um Dharma was born she was playing somewhere else but um yeah he um he started to yeah I started to push him out and everyone was there and yeah Flo came down the stairs as it was happening um yeah so I put he pushed his head out and then there was a, a gentle pause between the head and his body emerging um and then, yeah, he came out and I caught him myself. Like I just grabbed him because Mitch yeah. was behind me and yeah. just brought him up to my chest. And he was really quiet and still for a little while. And it was a very beautiful moment of like just peace. Um, yeah, very, very beautiful. And I didn't know that who he was. I didn't know that he was a boy for a while. Um, yeah. But, yeah. Yeah, and then... Did you look him in the eyes or do you remember any of that? I remember just like the stillness of it. I think he had his eyes closed for quite a while. Yeah, He was very still. He was very pink. Um, Yeah, he wasn't really like moving. Um, Mm -hmm. And I feel like potentially like some of, yeah, like others that the birth team, including Mitch, were a little, maybe a little bit concerned about him. But Mm -hmm. I... I really wasn't like I just didn't I didn't even come up for me um mm-hmm. sorry um yeah it didn't come up for me at all um he did have the his um cord around his neck 
but yeah. I just like removed it immediately when he was born like that was nothing yeah um yeah and then he made his first sound because Flo had made a sound and I think it startled him <laughs> so it was... <laughs> yeah yeah it was cute um this is yeah. I think it was interesting what you said like you know maybe some of the other birth team and that were a little bit worried because he took a little while to you know open his eyes and you know cry or whatever but you said you didn't feel worried at all and this is such I hear this from mothers all the time that, mm. that other people are worried but they intuitively know everything's fine yeah yeah baby's gonna come around in just a little while they're just coming outside and um yeah I think that's really fascinating yeah I, I think it's a very different experience watching than being in it mm. um I feel I mean I have never actually watched birth and I'm very excited to one day yeah um but I could imagine it would be a very different feeling because you're not like physically a part of it. Um, yeah, exactly. But yeah, yeah. Um, okay. And so then what happened? Did you stay in the pool or did you get out? Or um, We stayed in the pool for a little while. So through the pregnancy, because I was still breastfeeding my daughter, I had mm. promised that her and the baby could have their first drink together. Yeah. Um, just to like, I was really big on trying to prepare her for becoming a big sister. Um, yep. I had a lot of like emotion come up around that, like feeling guilt. Um, so yeah, that was a big thing that I had promised. And so we did that in the pool. They both had some milk. Um, but yeah, my placenta um, wasn't coming out and it was getting a bit cold. So we decided to move out of the pool um, mm. onto the couch and then in front of the fire again. Um yeah, and eventually Flo, so this was like at 9, he was born at 9.30 at night and Flo yeah. had been up since 6 a.m. So she started getting tired and she went to bed, um, I think, around 10.30. Um, yeah. yeah, and then we were just waiting for my placenta. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. this is the interesting bit. It took quite a while, hey? Yeah, it took, um, well, yeah, he was born at 9.30 and it didn't come out till about 5 a.m wow that's so fascinating hey because you know yeah. if you're in hospital you've got your hour and if it's not out within them totally right. yeah okay yeah. um and did you feel worried about that at all or you just felt everything was fine or I didn't feel worried but I felt um I definitely felt like a bit uncomfortable yeah in like physically like Bit, yeah. I mean Dharma still being connected to the placenta and it was mm -hmm. he had a short cord yeah um so it was kind of just like a bit of a juggling act like I mean mm -hmm. him still being connected to the placenta which was inside of me like holding him and yeah so I did try and like bear down for a while like mm -hmm. I was and I was like like really I guess hoping to get the placenta out for a few hours mm -hmm. um but then it got to the point where like we were just tired and it was like well I'm not like yeah I'm not gonna like force it out yeah I'll just go to sleep yeah yeah um yeah so we just like the birth team tucked me into bed and um they went home and yeah I just had a sleep um with Dharma on my chest and yeah and then I woke up at 5 a.m and knowing that it could come out I had a bowl in the toilet um yeah. so I, I needed to do a wee so I got up and weed and then the placenta just came out um and yeah. it didn't hurt. It was just totally, um, yeah, totally easy. Um, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, 
so interesting because yeah if we were in a hospital yeah that would have been completely pathologized and um yeah not allowed but at home if you're feeling good if all is well you can rest and guess what your placenta comes out Mm. um and you know what I hear often is that often the placenta has detached potentially but just not kind of come out it's just kind of like sitting there or who knows but yeah again you're just going on your feeling and if you're feeling good that's the most important thing right yeah definitely um and then how about breastfeeding you said it was easy this time it was super easy like I I remember the my first breastfeeding experience like um yeah it took a while to 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 work out um Mm. but I didn't really experience any pain this second time and I mastered like because Dharma co-slept with us from birth um which um yeah made it a lot easier too um Mm But he, yeah, I was like, I mastered side feeding, like lying down, feeding on the side with him like really early, which I think was a massive game changer for me rather than like being upright in the night. Um, Yeah. So many people do the upright sleep, um, like breastfeeding. It's like, I mean, I never did that. Um, Mm. Or maybe I did in the very early days. I can't quite remember. But yeah, it's because of all this paranoia. And I was the same as well about co-sleeping and you can't do this and you can't do that. I had the like sidecar cot the first time and I was like putting him back in the sidecar cot because that's what you're supposed to do. It's completely ridiculous (laughs) now that I think of it and I can't believe I was even there. So it's funny to see how far you've come sometimes as a person, as a mother, but yeah, co-sleeping just with them right next to you is just like a thousand times easier, right? (laughs) Definitely. Yeah. I would, yeah, I would not recommend doing it the other way I didn't really do like use a bassinet or anything for very long with Flo but I I did we did try for a little while but she ended Mm. up in our bed within a few weeks and it was just so much easier um yeah yeah all this bullshit that is being told to everyone around the world I was Mm. listening or watching I don't know if you've seen it um Gabor Mate's um film The Wisdom of Trauma he was just talking about um you know, the cried out method and all this craziness that everybody's being told to do around the world. And it's just completely, yeah, um, against our intuition, but also creating so much trauma in kids. Yeah. And this is what's coming from the system. This is what people are being told what to do. It's bizarre. Yeah. But most people aren't listening. I like to think anyway. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, it's changing fast. People are listening to their intuition. Definitely. Um, well, Jess, is there anything else you want to share about that birth or your mothering journey or anything else before we wrap up? Um, yeah, I think something that I think I mentioned to you about just the, my, the relationship um, changes that I've experienced yes. through becoming a mother. Um, yeah, I think like it's a pretty big shift going from like made into mother and the same like within our relationship and so I feel really blessed that like my my husband Mitch is so um like we are so connected and I feel like um, some things that really helped us especially like going from like having one to two mm-hmm. um we really loved the book the fourth trimester um oh yeah 
and like in there there's like all these practices or like questions to ask um each other about your like about like how the relationship's going to change and like w- what you're going to implement to like uphold that um I guess connection with each other um yeah. and I feel like that that's like a massive um like message that I would love to to give the world in like how important it is to nurture obviously the connection with your your child but mm-hmm. also the connection with your partner because it can be really overlooked and I think that that makes the experience of becoming a parent so much harder yes yes absolutely yeah I think I don't know what the stat is but they say like most parents separate in the first few years of the children's lives because Mm. it's so damn hard those first years if you haven't thought about yeah how you are going to continue your relationship or how it's going to change or how you're going to still be able to connect and things like that Mm. and I think a lot of people um yeah can run away from relationships prematurely um when the foundations are actually okay, but you need to just put in, um, yeah, uh, what was I going to say? Effort, I guess, to make yeah. sure that um, your relationship keeps on going. So talk to me about what you guys do. What what kind of some practical kind of tips for the listeners? Yeah, I feel like um, I can't remember the, the prompts in the fourth trimester book offhand, yeah. but they were really helpful in like setting up um like yeah just strong uh intentions on ways to connect like after like how like when are we going to make time for each other and like how can we do that like really practically working out how to create space for the relationship and like what things would really help each other through this phase like when we aren't going to have as much time as we we normally are used to like what are our needs and um yeah and just like I guess keeping that flame lit um in little ways like it doesn't have to be you know like blocking out a whole day or week together or something yeah yeah, it's just an hour here or there like something we really like to do we haven't been doing enough Uh, I feel like it's something that I would love to strive to do more but something that I think um that we do really well is like having what we call a heart share so where we just both get the space for a few minutes or or longer to both share what we're feeling and the other person just listening Mm. um and just like yeah I guess like having that regular knowing of what the other person is experiencing um Mm. and then having space to 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 chat as well but I think like just having that space to share is really is really important for me um yes yeah yeah I think it's a really important um point because also I find with the you know attachment parenting inverted commas style that relationships can really get left aside Mm. it's like just completely focused only on the children but if you're not happy in your relationship and yourself then guess what that's going to affect your kids so it's just as important to make sure that is really being nurtured and cared for as well right Mm, I'm a massive believer in that I um I grew up with 
like my parents separated quite early on, which like I hold no judgment to them for doing that. Um, I also like, I like pretty much all of my family members separated like early on in my life. So I had that imprint of like people leave. Mm. And so I'm, I'm a massive advocate for, for not leaving and working shit out. Um, yes I'm exactly yeah. the same because every relationship has shit and um, it does yeah I think it's important um also to talk what did I I'm always quoting random studies that I can't remember um <laughs> but it was some study about couples who have other couples as friends because the other couple is invested in your relationship they want to see you stay together and so when you having trouble or whatever you can talk to each other in a really like with real respect you know Mm -hmm. oh you know we're going through this right now oh yeah we've been through that and being open and like a community of um Mm. couples I mean that's not everyone's approach but I think that's you've got somebody else gunning for your relationship as well as you guys I guess is what I'm saying yeah that's that's amazing I think that's massive too like being able to talk to others and not feel like ashamed that there's something wrong with you because you're having issues like everyone has issues and I think like there often is this divide of like oh men or like oh women doing this doing that but it's really like yeah it's really important to be able to like have a safe place to talk about what's going on for you um yeah exactly with people you trust and that will respect you and your relationship and not tell you to leave him or something like that totally Uh, I've got a few really great friends that we can just talk to. Um, mm. And yeah, it's just so nice to be able to yeah, have that feedback. And one of my good friends, she's like my husband and I'm like her husband. So we can give each other perspectives. I'm like, how about I try this? Maybe he's feeling this. And he's like, yeah, maybe your husband's feeling this. I'm like, yeah, thank you for being like <laughs> you know, from his perspective, which is really cool. Um what I was going to say is I'm going on about Garbo, Garbo Mate and this, um, the Wisdom of Trauma documentary, but mm. what I loved about him was he was really vulnerable about his relationship with his wife and they're still together 50-something years later. But it wasn't like everything was always perfect. He was like, you know, mm. we went through some really dark times and um, she was she's beautiful, his wife. She was saying her name's Ray and she was just saying, how um she just feels like she's getting deeper and deeper and closer and closer to him the further they go into their relationship and I was like that is so cool I don't know she Mm. was much more eloquent about that but that's beautiful yeah it kind of made me feel like oh that is so cool there's so many (laughs) good things to come and grow old together how beautiful isn't it yeah, that's so beautiful. I love that, especially in our throwaway society of everything. It's so like special to hear of um, people like that who have stuck it out and re- reaped the benefits. Yeah, yeah, and growing yeah. as people, grow yeah. together and grow as a person and, yeah, so yeah. cool. Um, anything more parting words before we go, Jess? <laughs> Um, I'm really sure. Thank you. Oh, this yeah. has been really fun. Yeah, it yeah. has. It's been really good. Well, thank you so much for um, sharing your story, sharing your wisdom and um, yeah, sharing the importance of keeping yeah, that flame alive with your partner. Mm. Good message, I think. <laughs> <laughs>
<laughs> okay, Jess, thanks. Um, if anyone does want to contact you um, or learn more about who you are or what you do, what's the best way for them to get in contact with you? Yeah, probably through my Instagram. I'm pretty, um, yeah, I'm definitely open to, to, contact, to contacting and speaking with anyone over there. Yeah, great. Yeah. Um, and what's your Instagram name? It's welcome to Jess Land. Awesome. Yeah. Cool. Okay, guys. Well, thank you for listening. Um, and we'll see you next week. Bye. <laughs> Thanks for listening to The Renegade Mama. If you would like to connect with me, submit a birth story, or just find out a little more about what I do, check out my website at therenegademama.co. Or you can connect with me on Facebook as The Renegade Mama or Instagram as The underscore Renegade underscore Mama. Lastly, can I ask you share this episode with at least one other person? I want every woman to know it's possible to birth in her power. So please share far and wide. Until next week, remember to follow your intuition, not the institution. We are sovereign. We are free. If you like the Renegade Mama podcast, then leave a review. You can do so on iTunes or our Facebook page. The Renegade Mama is released weekly on both Apple iTunes, Spotify, our website, or wherever you get your podcasts.